1: Welcome to The Firing Line with Rick Travis, Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Vortex Optics, Cutting Edge Bullets, and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. And now, your host, Rick Travis.
2: Welcome to the Firing Line Radio. I'm Rick Travis, your host, the legislative director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. We're going to do something different today. We're going to be working with some brothers and sisters in the sportsman's world that get out on the water. A lot of them do a lot of the same activities we do and do others. But I think it's important for all of us to realize... That in the fight for sports people's rights throughout the state of California, there are multiple players. One of the most critical players and a very good friend of mine is Wayne Cotto from the California, or sorry, the Coastal Conservation Association of California (CCA-Cal). He is a tremendous ally, and Wayne, I want to welcome you to the program today. Thanks,
3: Rick. Appreciate being here.
2: So, Wayne. You know, start off with, can you tell us a little bit about the Coastal Conservation Association in California? Because I've got to know what it is, but I'm relatively assured that many of the people in the Inland Empire and, and good parts of L.A. and Orange County do not know who you guys are, and they need to.
3: Yeah. So Coastal Conservation Association California started its chapter in 2015, and we represent the recreational saltwater angler in California. CCA though, has been around for over 45 years, started in Texas. We're in 19 states around all the coastal communities. We have over 240 local chapters and over 140,000 members across the country. And we all do the same thing. We represent the saltwater angling community. So we do things at the federal level, state level, county, city, port, and uh, a little bit of everything. It, it is a very broad uh uh reach that we have, and you know we we have a lot of like interest because, like Rick was just looking to, outdoor sports is under attack, so we all have to work together in order to save our our favorite recreation.
2: yeah, I got to know c c a cal back when we were having the initial stages of what has been known as the m p a fight here in California, also known better as the marine protected area. Um and so if you could talk in this first segment, I wanted to kind of explore that because, you know, if you and I are talking, we say the term MPAs, we of course know what each other is talking about. But a lot of people, you know, may have not been fishing for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years or at all, and are going by things that they've heard, read, or been told by family members and friends, and all of a sudden, it's pretty easy to get yourself in a bit of trouble these days with the MPAs.
3: Yeah, so what happened was there was legislation uh, quite a few years ago now, which was the MLPA, and that was the Marine Life Protection Act. Later, parts of that act, which created marine protected areas, and that was where the fights began because what they were told during what the MLPA was supposed to do versus how they implemented to create these marine protected areas, weren't the same thing. And so what it came down to was they were gonna take a bunch of the best areas of fishing up and down our coastline of California and restrict them. And there's different levels of restriction all the way to no take of anything. So there was a down down drag off by the different sectors of North, Central and Southern California where it was the what those MPAs would become. There are now 124 MPAs along the state of California. They have been around now for over 10 years, and we are in the decadal review of those areas, which will then uh, activate some adaptive management uh, corrections to the program. And that's where we're at right now. So it's very important that anglers, no matter where they're fishing, look up what's allowed in those areas. Uh, like I said, 124 MPAs along our whole 1,100 miles of coastline
2: of California. I think one of the things that's important is the effort beginning with the MLPAs, leading to the MPAs, was supposed to be um, done on scientific reference points. It was to use a scientific model. And, folks, I bring that up because on the hunting side of the house, so to speak, we always talk about the North American model for management. And in looking at that is to be based on science yet. You know, it has been a decade, which seems like it was just yesterday we were doing this. But one of the things I know was there was quite a lot of argumentation, just like there is on hunting on what constituted sound science versus some of the emotional arguments various groups made. And Wayne, to you and your organization's credit, you really worked hard to hold that line on
3: science. And we still do. It, it's, Hard because the one thing that we hear at the at the commission level or even at the council level for, for, for feds is best available science. In other words, they don't have enough science, and yet they're willing to do management action and take uh, restrictions based on limited data instead of waiting for the – doing the work to get the data. And that's where we struggle, um, and that's why some of our current fights that we're having on the fisheries front are based on them not doing their work, either at the Fed level or at the state level, doing sampling, doing the studies of, of uh, growth, on doing, you know, age class, or pull-out stock assessment. And the, the the models are just that. They're statistical models based on what they've well, their best guess of what the stock was at, based on what they believe recruitment is, based on, what commercial taste on...
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the issues, you're cutting out a little bit, Wayne, but I think one of the issues everyone has to understand is uh fish don't stay in the exact same place to be counted, just like, you know, wildlife doesn't in way, stay in the same there's
3: a, Yeah, there's a fudge factor along the way. And then, so what we're really being measured against is this hypothetical stock that they believe they can model up and down, but they're really not doing a stock assessment. The fear that we have, or, the, or not the fear, but the frustration that we run into is that they're not really doing a stock assessment. And we're not getting credit for all the closed areas out there. Remember, 124 MPAs. We have rockfish conservation areas. We have cobcod conservation areas. We have time and, and uh, depth restriction closures, you know, for different species. We don't get credit for those areas.
2: I think it's really important for you, the listener, to understand that this is the same fight just framed differently that is going on. Like I was saying a moment ago, wildlife moves. It doesn't matter if it's under the water, on the land, or in the air. It is not something that stays in a specific area to be counted. And most of these models that people use in these fights are not based on um truth or reality. They're based on a best guess. And the problem is these agencies are not being open and honest with the public about it. They'll put out blurbs that say, oh, this is really great. I think of one that just happened for the last couple of weeks. You know, the Department of Fish and Wildlife announced they had three packs of wolves way up in Northern California, you know, along the Siskiyou and the, the Lassen areas. And then, oh, surprise, we have one in Tulare. What they forgot to say is, oh, and we've even had a wolf that was collared that was killed in the middle of the grapevine recently, suggesting that wolves have made it now down where they haven't been for a 100 years into Southern California. And there's no need to, to get all upset and have a big pushback. But the point is, the department doesn't know where all of its animals are. And so when we're doing this science, Wayne brings up a great point. His people are out there. They're staying out of areas. They're helping to foster the comeback of different fish species, helping to grow, helping to make sure the stock is improving, doing all this, having multiple meetings with scientists on this, and they're up against a system of government agencies that aren't doing the depth and breadth of work that our taxpayer dollars go for, then to be able to do. And as a result, this leads to faulty data and faulty assumptions, and eventually, to uh restrictions and other issues that negatively impact not just you, the sports person, not just the public, but the very wildlife that we're trying to save and benefit for future generations. And that is why I'm going to really encourage you all to go to CCA Cal and and get involved with them. You know, become a member, donate to them. These are brothers and sisters that are protecting the water right off the coast. And that's going to be important as we go into our next segment because while Wayne and I have worked really hard together over the past few years to bring both the hunting and the fishing sides of the house together to work together, not to see each other as adversaries or competition, but instead as brothers and sisters, that has become more and more important over the past few years as a fight that now takes on both land and water at the same time. To restrict how we will do sporting events, sporting teaching, sporting training and passing on to the next generation for decades to come. CCA Cal is where you need to go to back our fishing brothers and sisters. We'll be right back.
4: Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW safe on your side. You defend your life, CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now
1: at ccwsafe.com. AM
0: 590, the answer.
1: This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this?
4: This is my boomstick!
2: Boomstick! Welcome back to Fine Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. And today I have Wayne Coto, who is the Chief Executive Officer, guru, and the guy defending your rights to fish off of our coasts. We talked in the last part about the marine protective areas, and now we're going to talk about a little thing that's going to sound like you're out doing construction in your backyard when I say 30 by 30. You're thinking 30 inches by 30 inches, and no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a plan that is not just located to California, but across the country as part of a global effort to set aside 30% of the waterways and 30% of the land. And yet, it's not exactly 30%, is it, Wayne?
3: No, and it's it's a really convoluted problem because... What they're doing is they're making it up as they go on on defining what exactly meets requirements. And our problem is this thing started at an international level, um, and then California took the lead within the United States and tried to pass uh, their legislation package, which we were able to be, but then the governor came back through six weeks later and signed an executive order. So executive orders are guidelines to all of these uh, direct reports and agencies. So we're in the middle of implementation of it. In the meantime, everything that we did to fight it here in California actually rippled the crust back to the federal level. And the America's Beautiful Act, which is the 30 by 30 process at the federal level, is totally different than what we're doing here in California. We have three levels of government or organizations that are doing it at three different, uh, in three different ways, which is very frustrating. There's no consistency to what they're doing. And for whatever reason, California is always the hardest. They're being more restrictive than anybody else in what they're requiring to be added into their 30% number.
2: Well, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about something specifically for a minute in the 30 by 30 because a lot of people missed it. They use a lot of innocuous, um, neutral terms like, Hey, don't we all want to take care of this? And don't we all want to work together? And before I even get to some of the, the differences and opinions from different groups involved in this space, I think it's important to realize of the water also includes, in some people's minds, the watershed, correct?
3: They do. Originally, when they talked about 30 by 30, it was defined as 30% of land, water, and ocean. And as we developed through this process, they took away water, and now they're saying 30% of land and ocean. So, Right. right there, it changed. So, you know, we're we're all working within that. What, well, where does the ocean stop, right? Is it are some of our tributaries? Is it some of our bays and estuaries? You know, so we're we are still working through all of that. Well, it, and it, that's, because listen. what is considered defined as conserved or preserved, right? I mean, those definitions right there are where we're starting to struggle.
2: Right, and the issue also comes down between two terms called consumptive and non-consumptive. And that can get confusing to a lot of people because, um, and I'm not going to break it down in this show because I take the rest of the show to do it, and it probably still wouldn't be adequate enough for what we face in the legislature and with other groups. But I think it's also important to realize that this isn't just groups like um, CRPA or CCA Cal, which you can find at ccacalifornia.org. But it's also um, groups like the Native American, the various tribal groups are involved in this. You have various other groups that are part of the stakeholder process on what would be called the consumptive users, might have some of the, the typical groups you would expect to see, like a, a trout group or a hunting group like Rocky Mountain Elk or something. But it also has all the um, groups that are not favorable to hunting and fishing and think that those activities be be shut down. And so as a result, um, this is a very convoluted group that, as Wayne has explained, the science and the rules and the definitions and the meetings and everything is in a constant flux while we're trying to preserve um, the land and the resources for future generations to enjoy, both consumptively and non-consumptively. There are people that are trying to make sure that consumptive use will never be
3: allowed. Yeah, Wayne? that's very true. They're actually really working hard on. Taking away our fun. They're the IJ fun people. <laughs> it's kind of scary.
2: Yeah. And one of the things I want to talk about is a lot of times when we get into these debates on these subjects, a lot of people are like, well, hey, I pay my, you know, fee to become a member. Um, why can't you just like make the bad thing go away for me? And one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about is, um, and I know the answer to this already, but Wayne, um, Would you say your office, from what you do, is more some posh place up on the third or fourth floor of a building or the uh, driver's and passenger seat of your car going up and down the state?
3: I don't know about passenger. I'm the driver, and I'm the one driving up and down the state doing (laughs) it right now. I mean, go. I cover this whole state. It's a big state. It's 13, 14 hours driving north-south, and I'm doing it right now. And it's what we do because we have to be able to cover territory and talk to all the people that represent all the different types of uh, angling community and that's not good enough, they have to do something better. So they're not going to just take them as they are, all those other areas of protection, and just uh, add them in. They have to go back and make them change something for whatever reason. That's what we're working on right now. So here it is. We have probably the most protected shoreline, because you can't do anything on the beach or up out the ocean without going through an agency, a council, a commission, a department. You know, you can't touch anything. It's all protected. So it's always it's the frustration factor is what is that benchmark? What's that line that we have to hit the threshold to get things qualified? We have National Marine Sanctuaries up and down. We have a proposal right now where they have a proposal to add a two National Marine Sanctuary from the base of Monterey all the way down to Goleta. If they get that one, 40-plus percent of the state will be covered in National Marine Sanctuaries alone. So. You know, if we can get Nazarene sanctuaries included with the MPAs, we're done. Way done. So, and people understand this. Here's a big point. This is step two of three in the great effort. 30 by 30 is step two. Their real goal, and they have not been shy about this, is 50 by 50. Right. And they are really working towards that hard. Gary, the true.
2: And I think that's really important for those of you on the firearm side, you've seen the United Nations efforts to remove your ability to own a firearm or use a firearm. What Wayne is saying is this is an other leg, as I tell you folks all the time. There's not just one leg when government goes after something. They have multiple hands trying to go after for the same goal. If you think about it, if you remove 50% of the opportunity to be able to go hunt and fish and do the sporting activities, you are literally closing out a way of life and also making you more forced to subsist off of what the government says is food. Your ability to to get fresh fish and fresh meat and even to go, uh, we're seeing this now, to try to go grab uh, fresh uh, fruits and other things that are in the wild are becoming more and more limited. When they set aside 50% of the land They're not saying aside 50% of the land of like, oh, this is the eastern Sierras where nothing grows. They're taking the prime real estate. That is what they're doing, and they're leaving the scraps. Government has done this with people for centuries, and what we watched uh, government do with the Native Americans of saying, well, sure, you can still have land, but we're going to give you the worst piece of land that you can't survive on. That's exactly what they're saying aside for you and I and others to be able to use for sporting purposes – while they remove all the prime real estate saying it's the most threatened and taking it away from you. Um, and yet, I will tell you that it's interesting because they will sell some of those rights off to other governments and other entities while denying the American public, the taxpayer, from access to that. Folks, this is why this vote, this election that may decide the fate of the great experiment known as the United States of America is so important. This is just one other area. Now, as I promised, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some fun stuff, some things that you can get involved in that should uh, make this more of a fight.
4: Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona turners is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs we offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms ammunition gun safes shooting accessories archery equipment and fishing tackle visit turners.com now and sign up for the turners discount club for free and get our weekly ads and members only specials sent directly to your inbox for more info to sign up for the turners discount club or to shop online visit
1: turners.com
0: am 590 the answer
1: This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by CCW Safe and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Spartans,
3: lay down your weapons! Persians, Come and get them!
2: Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, here with the California Rifle and Pistol Association. As your legislative director, I'm very happy to have one of my close friends and colleagues... Wayne Koto from CCA Cal, you can reach them at CCACalifornia.org. I encourage you to join them. They're doing the the work of a thousand to try to protect your rights on the water and make sure that um they're preserved for future generations. But Wayne, you and I sometimes, rarely, but sometimes we actually get to spend some time when we're not in a meeting, not have to fight for the the two sides of the house together where we actually get to hang out and um you know. You always are like, hey, I learned that from you, and I've learned stuff from you. And so one of the things that I thought was fascinating in a recent time that we got to spend together was when you start talking about the cycles of fishing. And, you know, I am not the avid saltwater guy you are or freshwater guy. I fished most of my life, but um by no means an expert. But you were, you know, when you first said cycles, I'm thinking like, yeah, like I see on a watch or a chart, like better time to fish is at this time or that time. But you were actually talking about a larger cycle of years. Can you kind of go into that? Because I found that fascinating. I think our listeners would, too.
3: Yeah. So what we talk about is we have two cycles, and you see it in the weather pattern. So around the equator is how warm the water is there. And that cycle affects the flow and current of water around the world. And what we have right now is we're shifting from that warm water El Nino cycle which we saw for the last eight years where that warm water went all the way up into Washington and Oregon along our coastline, and it shifted our fish population. During an El Nino cycle, we have certain types of bait and certain types of fish that come in. So it brings in the sardines. It brings in the uh, pelagics with the yellowfin and the dorado, and and we have yellowtail, and, and all those things came in. And we even had wahoo come all the way from the southern border all the way up into San Diego and north. Bluefin went all the way up into Washington during that cycle. Well, we're in the other end of that right now, where we're waning away from an El Nino to a La Nina cycle, which means we're getting the colder water. But it's shift. Look at what happened this winter with all the storms we had in California. is a good example. Those storms in California cycled more like a La Nina cycle. The water off our coastline dropped into the 50s and stayed there almost through June which was more like a La Nina cycle. And then we saw the shift in the bait. Anchovies, the squid, the brown bait started coming back in. We saw barracuda, bonita. So these are all the cycles that we see towards a La Nina, and then it happened. This year, we started catching albacore again, and that is a La Nina cycle that happened. And now we have Bluepin all the way up to Washington, and we have albacore all the way down to San Diego. So we got a mix right now between an El Nino and a La Nina. If you listen to Ish, the National but, Weather
2: oh, yeah, But it's going to change here in the next over oh, the next couple of years, correct?
3: Well, that's what we're watching is the cycle. What is the cycle going to do? We are thinking it's going to go to the La Nina cycle, but if you listen to National Weather Service, they're claiming the equator's hot. They're claiming El Nino. So we got this weird shift, but we're not sure where it's going to land. We're watching it like everybody else. But right now, I, I'm seeing the the change here in California. So, well, I, I'm going to go with the La Nina cycle right now, just based on condition, water temp, the the fish. The fish are telling us what they're going to do. So, listen to Mother Nature,
2: which is always a good guideline for anything you're going to do out in the field. I think that you know this is something that we all are curious about the fishing. The other thing too is, you know. Um, we were looking at fishing poles because, being honest with everybody, I need to get a new one. And one of the things I want to tell you folks is, you know, just going with somebody like Wayne who does this professionally for a living was learning that a lot of things that um we grew up with are not what you have to buy these days. Wayne was showing me some different poles, some different reels. And so, Wayne, if somebody's brand new or coming back, they haven't fished for a while, and they think you have to have a 12-foot pole with a, a monster 17-pound reel on it, What would you tell them?
3: Nothing could be farther from the truth. The technology and the uh, learning curve that we have gone through uh, in our industry of fishing have brought us light years ahead of where we were. Grandpa's rods and reels, dad's rods and reels are antiquated today. We are smaller. We are lighter. We are faster. We have better uh, uh, line. We have better action on our rods. We are specific to what we're trying to catch. We have specific techniques, uh, hooks, lines, knots. Everything has changed. And the best thing you can do is use the Internet. There is no shortage of tutorials and people that are willing to teach and, and give you guidance on what is out there. And if anything, go down to your tackle store and talk to those people because that, they're the ones who spend all the time watching and, and learning and doing all of this. Uh, and if you can get out on a boat, like, you know, along California, we're sport, sport boat centric. Everybody on those sport boats will are, will show you everything that's out there right now. And well, most of our rental fleet, our rental rods are have been upgraded in the last two years. So uh, you're going to be able to rent the tackle if you can't afford to buy the tackle. But I mean, it's no different than any other industry. I, I kind of compared it to to ski. Look at the look at the technology that's in a, a ski right now for t- going or a snowboard. Man, what we used to use when we were growing up were locked. Seems like <laughs> man, that stuff they have now is ridiculously good. So you know, the, the, it's out there to learn. It's a fun sport, and you can do it at any level. You can do entry level trout rod. Go out to the Sierras and go have a good time. Go down to your local lake, surf fishing. You can use that same trout rod, six pound line, and go fish in the surf. You don't have to have. We don't do that whole twelve foot rod, throw a big weight way, way out there anymore. We're fishing right in the surf line, right at your feet. Uh, and that there again. There's plenty of tutorials out there, plenty of videos. We do surf fishing clinics up and down the coast all summer long. So, you know, just get a hold of us or watch our Facebook or Instagram feeds or go to ccacalifornia.org and look at our events. We, we do things all over. We do, do member charters, uh, up and down the coastline. and just join one of us and you can learn. From those, join one of your fishing, local fishing clubs. That's why they're
2: there. I think that's really important. You bring up a, a great deal. You know, a lot of people are under this idea that this is cost prohibitive. You know, I can do a shout-out to several clubs I want today, but I can just tell you, if you go look around the Inland Empire, Orange, L.A. County, if you're listening to this on a podcast anywhere else in the state, there are a lot of clubs that are both fishing and hunting clubs, they're called Rod and Real Club, um, rot and gun clubs, things like that. That your entry point level is under fifty bucks to get into it. And you get to talk to a great group of people of all ages that have a depth and breadth of experience um, on one side of the house or the other or both, that you're gonna be able to pick it up. A lot of them have their own little swap meets where they sell a lot of their their stuff. Maybe they're moving to another state, so they're not gonna be doing saltwater fishing. they they sell it off. You can get great deals. A lot of them um, have friends with boats and, and different things. So that's a, a great place to plug in with you and your family and get them involved. It's a great thing to get outdoors and get away from all the noise that we have on television, the things that depress us and get back in touch with nature. Folks, one of the things that um, I will say for CCA Cal is they do have many, many events and many touch points called chapters that you can get involved in. They don't do just fishing. I mean, just looking up here, they take people down to the Amazons. They have golf tournaments. They have social events. And this is one of the changes that I've got to watch. I think it's really positive over the past couple of years is groups like this have realized they got to be available and present for the entire family. Wayne, your group does a great job. I've been at a couple of the advance has been a couple we've co-done together, but um they're always fun. They're always worthwhile. You're always going to get more than you put out money-wise. So if you're thinking, like, is this worth it, it's more than worth it. But it also ensures a couple of things. You going and spending time there, you're not just making sure that the fisheries and the angling opportunities are staying healthy today. You are making sure they're staying healthy for your kids your grandkids, and those that will follow after. Because one of the things that CCA Cal does so well, and I'm so proud to be a member and to work with Wayne, is they don't think about what's happening today. They don't think about what's going to happen next week. They think about what's going to happen 25, 50, 100 years down the road. They are playing the long game. And they're playing the long game for people that they have yet to meet because they're not even here on the planet yet. They are truly future-oriented working on things today to make sure they're better in the future. If we had more groups like CCA Cal in other aspects of our life, I can tell you right now, working up in the Capitol, half the problems, literally half the problems we have in this state would evaporate. They have a wonderful model and Wayne works really, really hard. In our next segment, as we finish out this this joint sports thing, we are going to be looking specifically at other things that are coming up in the area that you need to know about so you can get involved and you can work with our politicians to make sure they stay focused on your sporting rights, not just now, but for those in the future. We'll be right back.
4: Hi, folks. Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW safe on your side. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info, to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM
0: 590, the answer. The Greater Long
1: Beach Gun Owners CRPA Chapter meets the third Wednesday of every month at the Long Beach Rod and Gun Club, 3333 Pacific Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90807. The meeting is from seven to eight thirty. With monthly handgun shoots, FT three tactical, and weekly shotgun shoots, LA Clays. Welcome
2: back to Firing Mind Radio. I'm Rick Travis, your host, the legislative director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. With me today from CCA Cal is Wayne Koto, the CEO, and we're talking a little bit about as we wrap this up, how you can really interface. We've talked today about some of the issues affecting both hunting and fishing, the issues that are impacting future generations, the fight for your areas. But then um, we also went into, like, how to get involved on the fishing side. And now we're going to talk about a couple things, so I'm going to have a little fun with Wayne um, as we also talk about some things. One of the things both of our organizations have are chapters. Uh, We have chapters. Um, throughout the L.A., Orange County, and Inland Empire as well as the rest of the state. But uh, I know you guys have chapters both in L.A., Orange County, the Inland Empire. Please go to the ccacalifornia.org and look at those chapters. There's a tag at the top. Get involved because the more you get involved, the more you can do to change the way things are going on and be able to interface with other groups. In your community, help those groups grow, help them put on events for, for youth, for families, for veterans, for all the different things I've watched CCA Cal and CRPA do, because this is how we build a community. This is how we, we push back on the rhetoric that, um, nobody does this anymore. This is how we push back on the rhetoric of this is just a bunch of old white people, because that's not the case. Um, for the record, you can't see him, but Wayne's not white. Um and so, <laughs> so making making sure that people understand that um there's a lot of women, a lot of fascinating things. They they work with people all over the place. One of the things that I wanted to talk about um is our two sides of the house sometimes get wrapped around what I call silly axles. And so I just wanted to throw it out. I kind of know where you'll probably go on this, but it'd be fun anyways. So I hear sometimes some fishermen, know I want to make sure not every fisherman does this, just like not every hunter does this, but some fishermen go, oh, like, well, you hunters cheat because you use scopes and things to be able to go off your animals, and we're purists, we don't do that. And then, of course, I hear the hunters talk about, oh, yeah, like you guys don't have fish finders and other things. What do you say to people in the community when they bring up this stuff?
3: I'm going to use all the tools available to me to be the best at my sport. I'm going to be. I'm going to use all the technology and all the available tools. Why wouldn't you? That's why we develop them. It's not cheating. It's making you better. And it's not everybody that needs to do them, right? Or you don't always have to have them. But why wouldn't you want to be more efficient? Why wouldn't you want to be more productive? So you know, I I I have a problem with anybody using technology. The better themselves in their in their art of, or their sport, so you know that I, I, that's that's a non non issue to me on on my side. I, I'm all for it, man. I, I want to be as efficient and productive as possible while I'm out there having fun.
2: Yeah, I think you, you know you bring up a really good point. One of the things that I've thought about, I've been out on you know a lot more boats over the last couple of years than I had probably in the previous decade, and I've really thought about. This whole issue, I think what people have to realize is like, you know, you sometimes go on a fishing boat, and it was a great ride out on the water, and maybe one or two fish get caught on the boat, and other times, the limit's caught, and that's great, because that's nature. Same thing in hunting. There there are weekends that I have went out and uh, didn't even see so much as a sign of an animal, and other, you know, weekends where I was highly successful. I think my shortest hunt in the last five years was all of 10 minutes once I got set up. And that was kind of like a letdown. A lot of people were like, well, that's cool. No, it wasn't cool because I like to be out in the wilderness a lot longer than 10 minutes. But having said that, I also think that one of the things I've got to witness um, throughout my lifetime is we've become much more humane in the way we do these things, you know, and putting food on the table. A lot of those technologies you bring up are, are very quick that once you have uh, got the, the animal that you're going after – They don't suffer. It's not like it it used to be. And so I think that's something that I want to get out to a lot of the listeners is this is being done. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of challenges. It's
3: it's not just that, Rick. It's also about being responsible with your resources. We're being more efficient in what we're taking, but we're also being responsible in returning and making sure that they are alive when we return them. Right. So we do descending devices for barotrauma, and we're pushing that really hard. We went to circle hooks as a new, as a new technology because the circle hook will hook them in the mouth instead of the gut. There's all that kind of stuff, which we're trying to be responsible stewards of our resources. And that's part of the technology, part of the learning curve that we're still evolving into, right? But we do. We do a lot of catch and relief tournaments or catching. We, we have our size limits for the right reason to make sure that we keep the available stock there for replenishment, for spawning. We're trying to do what's right for the future. Be sustainable and respectful of the resource.
2: Yeah, and you bring up a really good point, Something that I've seen that I, I did not know it happened. I knew it happened on the hind side of the house, but, you know, a lot of hunters will meet up with game wardens, rangers, different people, and will report on what they saw, the density of the wildlife they saw, the health of the wildlife, which has helped us keep some bad diseases out of California has helped us track some issues early on so we could get ahead of them. But I've also noticed being out on a lot of different boats that, you know, there's a lot of um, devices that are left behind in kilt beds and stuff to help monitor them, to help monitor what the life is because there's a whole ecosystem under these floating kilt beds, as an example, out at sea. And I don't think that people really realize that in addition to coming up with technologies that helps us preserve, we're also the ones that are providing I would argue many times the bulk majority of the scientific data that is actually real to be able to see what the health of these different populations are and how they're changing based on everything from water temperatures to wind blowing, the environment, the storms, to how often they're being fished, et cetera. It's truly amazing the data points that are collected by everyday people.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. We are all stewards of the environment, and we all need to contribute. To the future of it. So the more that we can help with collection and reporting, the better we're going to be.
2: And I think I think one of the other things that gets lost is folks, a lot of the people that don't understand and often end up in the opposition um, can be educated, should be educated, and it doesn't take somebody with a PhD from a university to have to come and do it. I guarantee you, um, you can be somebody like me. You know, I'm a person that's fished since I was a little kid with my grandfather and learned how to fish that way, coming up in in scouts and stuff. But over the past few years, I have learned so much about fishing and the environment where the fish are living. And I thought I knew a lot because I used to scuba dive and fish early on in my marriage. And there is so much to learn, and then you can share that with people, and you can help them to understand that whatever they were told – and, and thought was right, wasn't based on fact, wasn't based on science. And when you can present that in a logical, calm and somewhat excited way, not that you're excited about, but you're excited because you're passionate, because you've got to go out and experience, you've got to see the truth. I highly recommend it, including a few, you, you know, there, there's guys that are married to women or date women to fish and vice versa. Doesn't matter. Go. I encourage you go experience it, see it. Get to know the people out there. Number one, you're going to have a wonderful time. Sporting people are are some of the best people on the planet. They care about everything. But also by getting out there and seeing it, you'll be able to see the truth for yourselves. You'll be able to see how much work and how many times these outings become more about taking care of the environment and taking care of species than they ever do about taking any of them out of the environment for food. And I think that's really, really important for each of you as listeners. Um, Wayne got like 40 seconds. Any last thing you want these listeners to know about CCA Cal
3: and your efforts? Come out and join us. Join our, come to our events. Have fun time. That's what we try to do. If you have questions, call, write, email, text, blog us on our Facebook page, CCA Cal, Instagram, like us there, you know, and go to our website. We're accessible. We are up and down the coast all the time. We go to so many meetings and give, you know, uh, speeches or we're we're trying to impart knowledge or updates. Stay informed. Stay informed. Have fun. If you're going to do anything, go out and have fun in the environment. Go enjoy the outdoor and then share that passion with your friends and loved ones. Folks,
2: over the next few weeks, you're going to have some exciting shows coming your way. We've got um Some really big names that you're going to know, Um, whether you hunt or fish, you're going to know these people because they're big names in various industries are going to be coming on the show. We've got some people that have intimate knowledge of the way hunting and fishing works here in California, and we have some competitive shooters, including a person that's up for the Olympic team that are going to be on the show, and maybe even a, a former Olympian coming on the show to talk about the different skill sets, to talk about what goes behind it. And how you can either take part in in helping these things happen as a member of a group or, wait for it, get involved yourself in the sport and start to learn about what it takes to be involved in these sports. These sports are for you. They've been passed down by previous generations for you to continue to pass to future generations. And remember, as always, be safe, shoot straight, and fight back for your way of life.
4: (laughs) When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk.
1: The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by the California Rifle and Pistol Association.
4: CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, one million dollars for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million dollars for civil liability and many other benefits. You defend your life, CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com.
0: AM 590, the answer.